Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Money and Me. We're taking a closer look at investing in overseas properties today, specifically U.S. mortgages for overseas investors. I'm talking with an international mortgage specialist based in Singapore. They have offices around the world. Now, maybe you've been thinking about uh, purchasing a home, maybe not a residential property, but looking at commercial property as well, uh, looking to invest overseas, but you don't want to make the purchase happen with just cash. Maybe you're looking at a mortgage loan. But getting an overseas mortgage as a non-resident comes with a multitude of challenges, can be extremely difficult if you don't tick all the boxes and meet the necessary requirements. Well, Global Mortgage offers a solution. The company, via its wholly owned U.S. subsidiary America Mortgages, provides a platform for investors residing outside of the U.S. to obtain a U.S. mortgage to finance the purchase of American property. And with their services, I understand foreign national clients are able to obtain up to 75% of financing for property in the U.S. through a qualification process. Joining me to walk us through what some of their offerings are and their lending solutions is Robert Chadwick, CEO of America Mortgages and co-founder of the Global Mortgage Group. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Great to speak with you. Help us understand what are some of the challenges that investors or property hunters face when they're looking at making an overseas purchase, Robert. Sure. So, you know, we established this company mainly to be able to gap the financing uh, option for buying U.S. property. If you look at especially in this region, there's a tight connection with the UK and Australia and, you know, certain Southeast Asian countries, but there's really never been an option or at least a viable option for us mortgage financing. So when my co-founder and I, Donald Cliff, we uh, started out on this journey, we wanted to be able to find or create loan programs that were just as if you were living in and working in the U S but 100% of our clients are earning their income outside of the U.S. and and buying as investment properties. Really interesting. Help us understand the types of real estate projects that you'd be able to offer lending solutions for. So it's it's a wide variety. Mainly, if you take kind of our vanilla business, we can do loans in all 50 states for up to 75% financing on a purchase. Or if you want to do equity release or refinance, we can do 70%. But everything from a residential of as low as 150000 and we we did uh, a loan uh, not too long ago for mm-hmm. a Hong Kong developer outside of Texas for $112 million. So it's really a, a wide variety. But because we offer such a unique solution, our relationships with these funding sources, these lenders, these banks, or whatever it may be, is far superior than uh, you know, anybody that would be looking onshore in the U.S. for this type of financing because 100% of our clients are living and, and working abroad. So interesting. Can you help us understand what we mean when we say that you offer true global mortgage financing? Sure. So besides the U.S., I'll just kind of maybe backtrack. When we first started this company, mm-hmm. you know, we would go to private banks, 
brokers in the region and they would say, well, you know, the U.S. is fantastic. We've never had this offering before. You know, this is something certainly our, our clients can get behind, but can you do Canada? Can you do Australia? Can you do the U.K.? So over the last few years, we've developed, and again, these are purely for investment properties. These are not owner-occupied properties, but we have developed a network to where uh, we have loan programs in Canada, Australia, UK, France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Japan, Thailand, Philippines, basically anywhere where there's a mature market, Mm -hmm. we've been able to fill this gap. But because the U.S. is the largest real estate market in the world and arguably until, you know, we, we were formed, was the most difficult to get financing, the U.S. is still our primary focus. So I understand that you're also managing director, co-founder of the Global Mortgage Group. Help us understand what the Global Mortgage Group is all about. I know you're an avid property investor, but what inspired you to start this company? That's a really good question. I've been in mortgage lending my whole life, and I found that, especially if you take Singapore, for example, I was in Seoul for five years before Singapore. I've been here seven years. Mm -hmm. The availability to get financing, again, in the UK and Australia is actually prevalent. It's, It's quite easy. Even local banks are offering it. But we noticed a gap when you try to buy something unique. And how I came up with this idea is, yeah, this is probably, you know, I've had this idea for, for some time and, you know, we really formated, formed this company a few years ago, but I was on holiday in, in Tuscany and we were staying at this fantastic villa with our family and some friends. And, you know, I was thinking, geez, if I bought something like this, you know, how would I obtain financing? And that's sort of where the, I guess, the genesis of the idea came up. Right. Right. Fabulous. Just the sort of thing you want to dream up in Tuscany. Exactly. (laughs) So inspiring. All right. How does American Mortgages, which is a subsidiary of Global Mortgage Group, what's the difference between AM and GMG? Uh, So American Mortgage is laser focused on providing U.S. mortgages for people not living in the U.S. So foreign nationals or U.S. expats. Global Mortgage Group kind of encompasses everything mm. um, and is able to do the financing pretty much anywhere where there's a mature mortgage market. But again, uh, for both American Mortgages and Global Mortgage Group, these are mortgages for non-residential properties. Is that right? Not owner-occupied properties. Yeah, so it, it can be, when you say non-residential, um, I, I think you're, you're talking about people that are buying properties to, mm-hmm. you know, to live in on a daily basis. But Residential to commercial to development, I mean, there's, there's a variety of uh, assets mm-hmm. that, that can be financed, but our, we don't do property loans in for properties. And a lot of this has to do with licensing. Mm-hmm. We don't do property loans for people that are going to be living in it in a daily basis. Mm-hmm. We can do second homes, and we've done a lot of very uh, notable People globally uh, that have purchased second homes and, you know, you would think these people have access to financing, but surprisingly, unless you want to use, you know, your private bank funds uh, with some sort of leverage, normally traditional mortgage financing, especially for the U.S., is not as easy to obtain as most people would think. Help us understand the mortgage solutions that you offer. You mentioned up to 75% of loan amounts. Um, How much do loan amounts start from? 
Another excellent question. So we can get up to, if you're talking about a purchase, we can get up to 75% financing in all 50 states. The minimum loan amount is Mm 150,000, meaning that literally almost anybody can afford to buy a U.S. property. You know, we've had people that have been quite young in, in, take Singapore, for example, if you're trying to invest or trying to do maybe what your parents did and, and create a lot of wealth through real estate, mm-hmm. it's very difficult now in Singapore. You have a lot of cooling measures, which makes sense for the size of the country. Mm-hmm. But the U.S. has no restrictions on this. Uh, you know, there's no limits on loans of value. There's no limits on obtaining 75% financing for 100 properties. It's, it's pretty much a free market when it comes to how real estate will grow or, or, or not. So what we've tried to do is to create loan programs that actually make sense. So a lot of our loan programs uh, will qualify based on the rental income of the property. And the reason why we do this is when it goes through underwriting and because we're doing loans you know, for clients that are say in Shanghai all the way to Singapore and, and beyond, if we had to review tax returns in multiple languages, multiple jurisdictions, et cetera, it would make it very difficult to, to streamline the process. You know, an average U.S. mortgage loan closes anywhere between 30 and 45 days. And so by getting a third-party valuation on the amount of rental income that should be projected for this property, we're actually able to underwrite the ro- loan and what we think almost would be like a commercial loan based on cash flow, meaning that all of these issues where you're providing, you know, maybe very complicated tax returns or tax returns in multiple languages, uh, isn't an issue when it comes to our under underwriting. If the loan qualifies on the rental income, then, you know, the, the loan qualifies itself. If that makes sense. It does. It does. We are speaking with Robert Chadwick, CEO of America Mortgages, co-founder of Global Mortgage Group, taking a look at investing in U.S. overseas properties today for international investors. Robert, I have to ask about your views. In February of this year, U.S. home prices were down about 1.2% compared to last year. Are home prices dropping in the U.S.? We hear about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing that I think will keep property prices stable is the fact that there's still about a 7.5 million shortage of homes, according to the National Association of Realtors. Mm -hmm. This has always been an issue. I think the reason why we're seeing some of the property price drops is mainly when the market was booming, you know, interest rates were the lowest that they've ever been. I mean, we never saw subprime, we never saw sub 2% rate in the U.S. I mean, that's common here in Singapore, but was never, never common in the U.S. So there was this, there was this FOMO, there was this frenzy of people going in, bidding up properties, which is no longer happening. Mm. So, you know, I mean, Michelle, you know, obviously people can't time real estate markets, but we think now is actually an opportune time to purchase U.S. real estate or even maybe even global real estate just because you don't have this frenzy of the owner occupied bidding up the value of the properties. And I do think we will see maybe a little bit more adjustment, mm. but we're certainly not going to see uh, a market crash. Because inventory is so low. Um, help us understand which states you're seeing opportunities for investors. So we see a lot 
of Florida and Texas. You know, of course, you always have the, the trophy states, you know, such as, as California and New York. I mean, if you kind of take a look at, we have a fairly big presence in Indonesia. Indonesians love to buy in Beverly Hills. Mm. We have Singaporeans that love to buy in New York. But if you're looking for appreciation, you're looking for yields, you're looking for like regions that gentrify really well, mm-hmm. Texas and Florida, I just think that, you know, the barrier to entry is very low. You can buy a, a standalone single family house with, you know, picket fence and grass, you know, grass yard for 200000 U.S. dollars that makes a very solid yield and will actually appreciate over time. So that, that's, those are sort of the regions that we're seeing that seem to be uh, of interest for really kind of seasoned investors. All right. Help us understand interest rates and your lending solutions, Robert. What are some key considerations investors need to be aware of or questions they should be asking if they're thinking of making an overseas property purchase? Sure. So certainly interest rates have increased, I mean, but it's not just a, a U.S. thing. This is a global uh, issue. Mm-hmm. But what makes the U.S quite unique. And I'm not sure if you know, your, your listeners know this or are aware of this, but the U.S. has a very robust secondary market, meaning that 95% of the mortgage mortgages that are even originated from banks, such as you know, big banks like Bank of America, et cetera, are sold on the secondary market. So they're not holding these on, on their books, on their balance sheet. They are originated and then they're packaged into some sort of vehicle and then they're sold. What that does is it makes the ability to create very interesting loan programs that although interest rates are higher, if you're looking at, you know, getting yield or you're looking at getting, you know, long tenure of loan, fixed rates for say 30 years, it actually, the rate shouldn't really matter. And we always have this kind of, I guess, lingo that we say that you marry the you marry the property and you date the rate you know you'll always have the opportunity to refinance into a lower rate when things go but you're not always going to have the opportunity to be able to get that property at that at that price or these terms that maybe are available now tell us about the solutions that you offer are you generally looking at asset-based lending or is this part of your offerings so, yeah, so we do a little bit of everything. I mean, we, I guess our main product is just a standard conventional mortgage. And what makes, again, the UA, U.S. quite unique is you can't discriminate against anything in the U.S., whether it's sex, religion, marital status, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and including age. So mm-hmm. in the U.S., regardless of your age, whether you're 19 or 99, mm-hmm. you can still qualify for a 30-year fixed mortgage. And what that does is it really, you know, even though interest rates may be a little bit higher now, but it enables you to kind of forecast what these payments are, assuming you don't refinance to a lower rate down the road, Mm -hmm. but you can kind of forecast what these rates are for 30 years. You don't have to have this looming concern of what is going to happen if the Fed raises rates or what's going to happen if, you know, recession rears its nasty head and and they have to do some cooling measures or you can have the clarity that this is my rate from day one and this is going to be the rate after 30 years. That is a very interesting insight and it turns uh, your infrastructure investment into a long-term one. All right, talk to us about your outlook for real estate from a global perspective, Robert. What sort of trends are you noticing? Where in the world are you seeing opportunities? Yeah, wow, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big question. But, you know, certainly we're very bullish on the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, even with higher interest rates. I think, you know, it's, it's 
definitely an opportunity for investors. But markets, well, markets that we've seen slowdowns in, uh, as an example, is say Portugal. People were going for the the golden visa, which yes. is now kind of moved out. I think uh, you can no longer do it within Lisbon. So we've certainly seen some slowdown in those markets. But in other markets like Dubai, which we launched our mortgage program, I think about six months ago, we've seen uh, an uptick of demand. So I think, again, I always say you can't time the real estate market. I just think if you have a, a good buy, you should buy it now. And then, you know, you look at, you know, maybe two or three years, depending on how you plan to hold it. But I always think no matter what market you're looking in, if you can find a a viable deal and you're able to get leverage, I think you should go for it. I wonder if you have any inspiring case studies of helping Singaporeans enter the U.S. market, Robert? We, we do. You know, I was, I was saying something earlier in, in, in the conversation about some of these younger Singaporeans that where their family had made wealth uh, from real estate and now they see the opportunity, but maybe they just don't see the opportunity in Singapore, not because Singapore real estate is, is, I mean, in my opinion, it's gold, but the fact that maybe they don't have the funds to enter the market. So there's several groups in Singapore that were started by uh, you know, people in their 20s that are these investment groups, and they use us for their financing. But what they've done is just kind of rally a group of like-minded young Singaporeans mm. that are looking more global. Uh, to build their real estate portfolios. And then perhaps, you know, maybe when they build it up to a certain portion, then maybe they, they turn it back into Singapore. But, you know, this allows them to accumulate wealth that maybe their parents were able to do when things, you know, banking was a, a lot easier or leverage was a lot easier back then. Really terrific insights. Thank you for joining us, Robert. Real pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, I really appreciate the time, Michelle. And, you know, if I I can be of any assistance in the future, please let me know. Absolutely. Robert Chadwick there, CEO of American Mortgages, co-founder of the Global Mortgage Group. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.